It's good to be with you this evening. Uh, I just want to share with you, those who are part of this church, uh, I love your pastor. So thank- I know you do too, um, but I do love him too. Uh, we got to serve together for a short while and just blessed to see who he is as a man of God and as a husband, as a father, and uh, you truly are blessed by God to have uh, he and Sylvia here to love and to lead and to encourage you in the following of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we give God thanks for that. Uh, let me pray for us and then we'll jump into his word, okay? Father God, we are thankful for your love for us. Lord, we're thankful that while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. And Father, that we can be called your sons and daughters. Father, we ask that you would open our ears and our minds and our hearts to your word this this afternoon. And Father, that your spirit would teach us, would encourage our hearts and remind us of the hope that we have in Jesus. So Father, guide us and we thank you for your love in Christ's name. Amen. In understanding the gospel, my part is understanding the gospel in regard to the uh, sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, turn with me in your Bibles. I guess we're being in a familiar passage. So turn with me back to Romans chapter 3. Your ribbon is probably there as a marker. And uh, to begin with, we're just going to read verses 21 uh, through 26. And so uh, if you would, let's stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. And we'll read these uh, few verses here. Romans chapter 3. Verses 21 through 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord and blessed be the Lord. You may be seated. So if we look there in chapter 3, verse 24, the scripture tells us that there is a redemption. And that redemption means that there is a ransom that has been paid in full. There is a deliverance or there is a salvation. And that this redemption, this salvation, this that has been paid in full is found in Jesus Christ. Now look at Romans chapter 3, verse 25. It tells us that God has put forth Jesus Christ as a propitiation or or an atoning victim, uh, a a payment by his blood, and that is to, to be received by faith. So the redemption of God, the deliverance of God, the salvation of God is God putting forth Jesus Christ as the atoning victim or payment. As we look at the atonement tonight, we're going to see that man is in debt and that God himself pays the debt. Christ crucified, 
but why? And some of these things that we'll talk about tonight, I'm sure we've already heard and maybe even already heard this, um, this weekend, but why? The purpose of Christ's death. Why did God the Son have to be put to death? question that we ask. I remember as a kid often asking that question. As powerful and as mighty as God is, why did Jesus have to die? Well, as we've already heard uh, this evening, God is holy. What does that mean? That means that, that there's none like him, that God is perfect, that he stands alone, that he is without sin. Now, I've heard from a number of people, and it may even be ourselves at times, but a number of people who at a time in their life, they've been angry with God. Angry with God or upset with God as if God had done something wrong or as if God had sinned. But dear folks, God is one that does not need to repent because God is not one that has sinned. He's not like us. God is perfect, and His perfection, His onlyness, He's referred to as being holy. And in His holiness, He calls us to be holy. Okay, a, a lot of readings throughout Leviticus, we can see that God calls uh, His people to be holy as He is holy. If you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, verses 14 through 16. It says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who, who, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And so we see this, that God is holy, but he's also calling his people to be holy. But like Luke has already shared with us, it presents a problem. There's a problem there that God is holy and he calls us to be holy. And we are not like God. Where God is perfect, you and I are not perfect. Now, my wife and kids can tell you that pretty quickly. Uh, it probably wouldn't take too long for you and I to spend some time together. Probably not even an hour. Less than an hour. I wouldn't give you that much. That you would find out very quickly that Eric Smeltzer's not a perfect man. God's holy. He's perfect. He calls his people to be holy and to be perfect. We're not perfect. We're not holy. And therefore, we are in desperate need of forgiveness. That's the problem. We're not like God, and it creates a situation that we're in desperate need of forgiveness. Back to Romans chapter 3 that we've just read. Verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Turn over to Romans chapter 5, and let's read uh, verses 6 through 11. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one scarcely, will scarcely die for the righteous person, though perhaps for a good person 
one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Consider how the scripture refers to you and I in this passage. Look at verse six. Christ died for who? He died for the ungodly is what the scripture says. Look at verse eight. While we were still what? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10 says, not only ungodly and sinners, but refers to the word enemies. Enemies of God. Now that's a lot different than being perfect and holy as God would call his people. So there's a big problem. God calls us to be holy as he is holy. The scripture tells us or refers to us as ungodly sinners and enemies of God, wicked, unbelieving, rebellious transgressors, those who are not in Christ. That's a problem. And it's very important that we understand this problem that our sin is offensive to a holy God. I don't know that we really realize that in our day and time. We tend to think much of man. We tend to elevate man and escalate man. Uh, I can defend myself really well, okay? Uh, I can rationalize a lot of things that I probably shouldn't. And so there's lots of ways that we tend to escalate man, but God's word tells us something a little bit different. Tells us that outside of Christ, we're ungodly, we're wicked, we're, re we're rebellious against this holy God. And because God is holy, our sin is offensive to him. And we in sin deserves a right punishment, a righteous punishment of God. So when we think as us as sinners, we deserve the wrath of God. By the one and only true living God, we've been called to be holy as he is holy, yet we've all sinned. We've, we've rebelled against God. We've walked in the way of selfishness or rebellion or, or wickedness. Our sin's offensive to the holy God, and it's so offensive that it deserves punishment. Think of Adam and Eve. As they sin in the garden, disobeying God, they're cast out of the garden. The scripture says that cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way, guarded the way to the tree of life. They were cast out and they were kept out because God is holy and sin against a holy God is serious. God saw the earth and said that it was corrupt and full of violence and for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth and God flooded the earth destroying everyone but Noah and his family and the animals. The corruption was serious, and the wrath of God through a flood destroyed much. Think of Sodom and Gomorrah, perverted in many ways like our nation even today. And the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It says that he rained down on them sulfur and fire. 
Sin was serious against a holy God. Lot's wife, as the Lord told them not to look back, Lot's wife would look back and and she would turn into a pillar of salt. Disobedience to a holy God is serious. A generation of Israel is disobedient and grumbled as they, the Lord was providing for them in the wilderness. And they were kept from entering the promised land. They were grumblers. Their grumbling was serious before a holy God. A whole generation would have to die out before Joshua would lead the people of God into the promised land. In a moment, the earth swallowed up all the people of Korah and their goods. Why? Because of their sin. Sin serious before a holy God. Fire came down from heaven and consumed 250 men because of their sin. And we would even see in the New Testament of Ananias and Sapphira dying on the spot as they would lie. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. So sin is a big problem. God in His kindness, in His righteousness, in His compassion, in His love, He has a solution to the problem. And it's forgiveness and faith. The Lord's forgiveness is the removing of the condemnation or the guilt of the followers of Christ for their sins. And God does this by placing the penalty of sin, his wrath, on his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what, that's what we call atonement. God's solution to the problem is making an atonement, a payment for our sin, solving the problem. God placing the payment, the, the, his wrath and death on his son, Jesus Christ. And through faith in Jesus' life and death and resurrection, God no longer finds those who walk in faith, no longer finds us guilty of our sin, but He gives us new life in Christ, and He gives us eternal life. Listen to what Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14 says. Christ redeemed us. There's that, 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 that payment or being bought back, that atonement. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Luke referred to this scripture earlier, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 25. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Luke referred to that as a, an exchange, the beautiful exchange. Think about that. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, the perfect Lamb of God, the Son of God to become sin so that we, you and I, the ungodly, unrighteous, the sinner, so that we might become the righteousness of God. It's the only way to be received by God. 
It's through the righteousness of Christ. I'd like for us to turn to Luke chapter 22. And what I'm going to read for us, it's going to be rather lengthy, but it's going to be the narrative of the death of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ. And then after that, we're going to turn over to Isaiah 53, and we're going to see all that God has done and designed through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. And folks, I want to encourage us, I would encourage us probably at least once a week, maybe every two weeks, I would encourage you to read the narrative of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ every two weeks. Just to be reminded of the death and the resurrection of Christ. You know, the cross says two things. The first thing it says is it says guilty. The cross says guilty. And it says guilty because sin is serious to God. And we see the guiltiness because Christ died on the cross. The cross also says forgiven. It says paid in full. So we approach the cross with great humility. We approach the cross of Christ with great thankfulness. Because Christ did not die for his guilt. Christ died for our guilt. Okay? So let's keep that in mind as I read for us uh, Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 63. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. Just remember who Jesus is. He's a son of God. He is not sinned. He's not guilty. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When the day of the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief scribes and, and, and priests, And they led him away to their council and they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if you ask, you will not answer. If I ask, you will not answer. But from from now on, the, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belongs to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had longed 
desired to see him because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priest and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying, arraying him in splendid, in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him, nor did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Listen to that. Nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify, crucify. A third time, he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed so that Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. And he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross and carried it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he's the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, 
for we are receiving the, the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. There's another testimony. This man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God saying, certainly this man was innocent. Another testimony of his innocence. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there is a man, Joseph, from the Jew, Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and he took it down and he wrapped it in linen in a linen shroud and laid, it, laid him in a tomb cut in the stone where no one had ever been yet laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned with, spice, with prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. On the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. All that the Lord Jesus faced, the wrongful charge, the beatings, the mockings. The cross. Being forsaken by the Almighty God. The death of Christ. Because of my sin and yours. The wrath of God that we deserve was laid upon Jesus Christ that my sin and your sin is paid in full. Guilty, the cross says. The cross says also forgiven. The payment was made in full. You remember the words of Jesus? It is what? It's finished. The payment has been made. The wrath of God satisfied is finished. That's what atonement is. Paid in full. The righteousness of God satisfied. 
through the Son of God, through His death. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Praise God for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53 is something that I would encourage, again, all of us to read every week or every two weeks. Okay, It explains what God has done through what we've just read. We've read the narrative of the crucifixion of Christ. And Isaiah 53 is a wonderful chapter to help us understand what's being accomplished by God through the death of His Son, Jesus. Isaiah 53, let me begin for us in verse 1. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked, with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will, understand this, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, meaning the Lord, the Almighty God, He has put Him to grief. When His soul makes an offering for guilt, He shall see His offspring. He shall prolong His days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in His hands. Out of the anguish of His soul, He shall see and be satisfied. By His knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and He shall bear their iniquities. It's because of the atoning work on the cross. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Dear folks, that's the atonement of the death of Christ. He satisfied the wrath of God 
Those who have faith in Jesus Christ are covered by the blood of Christ, the shed blood of Christ. Remember Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But Jesus, through his death, made the payment for my sin and yours. Made the payment that we couldn't make, satisfying the wrath of God. So who is forgiven? Who is saved? The Bible tells us that it's a gracious gift of God to be saved through faith in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not by works, but the gift of God so that no man can boast. Who can be saved? Turn with me to John 6. Verses 37 through 40. This is in the time that Jesus is sharing that he's the bread of life and whoever comes to him shall not hunger and whoever believes in him shall never thirst. Uh, Verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Listen to that. All that the Father gives me will come to me. There's a lot of assurance in that that verse, isn't there? All that the Father gives me, not a one of them's going to be lost. All the Father gives me, they'll come to me. And whoever comes to me, I'll never cast out. There's another word of assurance. Whoever comes to me, I'll never cast out. For I've come down from heaven... Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Who can be saved? 1 John 9, 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he's done that because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Who can be saved? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11 and 13. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One last reading who's responsible for this atoning death of Christ. This comes out of uh, Peter's sermon. Uh, to the men of Israel. It's in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered, watch this, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, 
you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Well, that sure puts it all right there, doesn't it? That verse 23. By the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, lawless men would crucify Christ. His blood would be shed for my sins and yours. And the payment would be in full. What's the appropriate response? As Peter was preaching this sermon and sharing that, the Israelites, they say, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you trust His work on the cross? If you do, then our response to what we've read tonight, what we've heard through the Word of God, is to rejoice, is to give thanks, is to praise the Lord for He has accomplished that which we could not do, that we might be called children of God, that we might have eternal life. So we worship. What else is the appropriate response to what we've heard tonight? We proclaim the good news of Christ. All through, I drove all throughout, man, it's beautiful driving to this place. Throughout the hills and the fields and especially as the leaves are right now. House here and then a house there. Here where God has you, proclaim the good news of Christ. There are people lost in these hills and throughout these fields. They don't know the salvation found in Christ and in Christ alone. And so we worship the Lord because of what Christ did on the cross. And we tell, we tell the world the good news of Christ. That He has satisfied the wrath of God. He's made the payment for your sin. That you might be called through faith in Christ, children of God. For those who believe, that's what we are. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for sending him in our form. As Hebrews says, Lord, that he might sympathize with us, that he might understand. Father, we thank you that you have laid your wrath upon Christ to pay the penalty for our sin. Lord, that you have made him the way to life and life eternal. God, we thank you that it's finished. Even though we sit here today, Lord, those of us who have faith, we're seated with Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you that as your word says that you've given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. And Lord, as Colossians calls us, as we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, let us so walk. Let us walk in faith, rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. God, we love you, but it's only because you've loved us first. And God, we pray that 
we would rejoice in the salvation that we have in Christ and that we would proclaim to this lost and dying world the good news of Christ. And Father, we're thankful that all the results lie in your hands and that you are faithful in all that you do. Father, we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.